The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Hulu. All right, and away we go. Good evening and welcome to Bears All Access. Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, we've got you for one whole hour talking all things Bears. Training camp just around the corner when the Chicago Bears will report uh, to Bourbon A to kick off their 2019 uh, NFL season. Always an exciting time of the year. A lot of expectation, a lot of pressure. That's what Matt Nagy has talked about recently and about not getting complacent uh, as a Chicago Bear. Plus, we're going to have a great show as we roll along. Going to have some great guests as Bears six-round draft pick Duke Shelley is going to join us on the program. A tremendous nickel corner that the Bears selected. Plus, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, Otis Wilson, former NFL or former Chicago Bears linebacker going to join us. We've got plenty to talk about the 85 Bears because Eddie Jackson coming out strong said they want to top everything the 85 Bears did. So we're going to go back in time, put out the statistics, what the Bears could potentially reach here in 2019. But who better to break it down over the next uh, hour? None better than my partner. Let's welcome in Tom Thayer to the program. Tom, how are we doing today? Big Jim doing good. You know, with the anticipation of training camp, it's it, – I, t- I, you know, I don't know when it, the anticipation has been this positive in a long time because you think even last year, but we didn't know a lot about Nat- Matt Nagy. We didn't know how the team was going to perform. We didn't know the growth process and the fact that they were going to get Khalil Mack when they ended up getting him. And the whole, you know, we are still anticipating a contract situation with Roquan Smith at this time. But all that's behind us. And it's raised expectations by a large percentage, and not just by me, by all the people I talk about in the streets and around the Chicagoland area, because the first thing they bring up is positive expectations of the Bears, where they believe that they can be at the end of the season, and then they also talk about the difficulty of the schedule they're going to face. And so when you kind of take all that into consideration, if they do continue to improve, they're able to increase their offensive playbook. They have Khalil and they have Roquan from the beginning. You get Clinton Dix and Buster Screen and these guys to fit into the system nicely. There's no reason that they can't accomplish all the goals that the players have been talking about and the fans have expected um, at the beginning of the year till the end of the year. And it's it's interesting, Tom, because the Bears aren't going to sneak up on anybody. They're a surprise team last year. You come off four losing seasons, then you burst onto the scene with Matt Nagy. You go twelve and four. You go from worst to first uh, in the vision in the division and take uh, uh, the NFC North. You know, last year when you look at those surprise teams, probably Chicago tops the list. You got to believe Indianapolis Colts. Look how they jumped back into it, found themselves in the playoffs as well. I think Seattle was somewhat of a surprise team last year, and I even think the Washington Redskins prior to the injury to Alex Smith they were winning that division Tom in the NFC East and then Alex Smith goes down they were five and two and their season kind of spiraled out of control uh with injury but the Bears are not going to sneak up on anybody this year everybody's marking them down on the schedule but then you know you'll go back and you look at some games from last year Danny Mack and Matt Spiegel we were talking a little bit off the air and on the air right before at the end of their show in Now you think about how disappointing that loss was to the New England Patriots because it was a couple special team snafus that really 
took the opportunity to beat you know what's considered one of the best teams of the last decade in the NFL last year. And if you think if you would have just added that victory to last year's team, that would change the thinking process and it would change the whole profile of the Bears because, yeah, they have a first-place schedule now. They went from worst to first. But if you go out there and you beat one of the best teams in the league, you know, right there you're, you're, there's a lot of different considerations that you got to put in place if you would have went out there and beat Tom Brady, Bill Belichick in your home field. How do you fight complacency? Matt Nagy was recently on SiriusXM NFL Radio when he talked about that. It really, the quote was him that says, uh, we can't be complacent uh, as a football team. You know, and that's probably the worst trait you can have as a football player, Tom. I truly believe that. If you're not doing the things you need to do to stay on top of your game um, and not show up with that preparation that you need in order to comp- compete on Sundays, I think that is always something that you got to fight. It's just it's human nature. People tend to get complacent when they find themselves having a little bit of success. I, I think complacency can take effect on a losing team and a losing atmosphere and a losing culture because some guys they're not being competed against. I think when you look at winning, the winning attitude, the winning culture, and you look at competition, you know, from guys within the, your your own locker room, if complacency sets in, that's the best way to get yourself out of the, off the team and off the roster and and onto a different team maybe and or maybe not in the league at all. So, um I don't think there's any players out there that have the luxury of being complacent because they've taken some big steps forward to get themselves into this first-place schedule, into consideration, preseason consideration for the playoffs and even bigger goals. So this, this is not the time for complacency to set in because you haven't, you haven't tasted that much success yet. Well, even with the recent comments of Eddie Jackson, we'll get into that about saying, hey, we want to try and top what the 85 Bears did defensively, or even Akeem Hicks, what a tremendous leader, talking about the team not regressing. I mean, what's the vibe you get with with the players in the locker room of how they've approached this offseason? You know, having a chance to talk to a lot of those guys at the 100-year celebration, and you look at some of the influences they had from the history, the alumni of the Bears, and and they see how important it is to them. Listen, I like the comments of Eddie Jackson. I like the fact that this is a team that wants to be better than anything the Bears have put out there before. And I like a little bit of the pressure that Akeem Hicks felt when he was up there with Ed Obradovich, with Dan Hampton, with Chris Zorich, and with Tommy Harris, and how much not pressure, but how much they wanted to see Akeem Hicks you know, have success. Hey, you'll want to stay with us because on the other side, rookie cornerback Duke Shelley is going to join us here on Bears All Access. Don't change that dial. Keep it right here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Tom Thayer, Jim Miller with you. We should be joined by Bears rookie cornerback Duke Shelley, drafted in the sixth round out of Kansas State, but brought up the, the comments of Eddie Jackson saying he wanted to top everything of the 85 Bears. And, Tom, we were prepping for the show, and it is a good topic to get into because you think of some of the great defenses in the history of the NFL, whether you go back to the 74-75 uh, the Steel Curtain, obviously the 2000 Ravens stand out as well. 85 Bears considered one of the all-time 
greats. Probably even the the early two thousand Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, defense was given a lot of love as well. You got the Orange Crush out there in Denver, but the statistics are incredible uh, of the eighty five Bears. So some of the statistics are sixty four sacks on the season, 34 interceptions, six rushing touchdowns, and we'll get into that in just a moment, uh, uh, Tom, because I believe our guest is waiting there for us. I'm getting excited talking defense, (laughs) so let's go out and talk a little defense of the Chicago Bears as we welcome in Duke Shelley to the program. Duke, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer with you. Thanks for joining us tonight on Bears All Access. Hey, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? We're doing great. And for you, how's the time off leading up to training camp? About the, the first time you'll be able to don the, the Chicago Bears jersey in, in full pads. Maybe just talk about the excitement leading up to training camp. Oh, man, I'm super excited to get out there with the guys, uh, get to put on pads. I'm excited about that, Show, showcase my ability to pass. I've been running around in shorts for too long now. So get to hit somebody at this level. I'm excited for it. <laughs> you know, Duke, I was reading an article by Ryan Pace, and he's called you scrappy, sticky, and highly, highly competitive. You know, that's some pretty high praise when you, uh, you know, for a defensive back, and um, especially when you look at, you know, yeah, scrappy and sticky. If that, I think you have to understand how, how complimentary that is when you look at what Ryan, how Ryan Pace describes your abilities. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I've been hearing it a lot and <laughs> been talking to them back and forth. Uh, everybody like how, how my feet is and being able to stick with guys uh, in the slot and on the outside and things like that. Uh, I mean, it's my it's my job to kind of glue, be glued to the receiver. So the fact that he calling me sticky, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Well, th- well, does it, you know, because everybody will say, oh, he's an undersized slot corner. D- does that bother you when people say that? Is that why you're more scrappier and, and why you're more physical and, and just how you compete at, at the slot position and just how you play the cornerback position in general? Because that's all I hear, oh, he's an undersized slot corner. Well, there's been a lot of uh, undersized corners that played pretty darn good in the National Football right. League. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I've been here my whole life. I've been undersized my whole life. Yeah, it just. I've been kind of driving me, have a chip on my shoulder, and, and go out and compete. Uh, I mean, I've been ha- and super competitive uh, growing up. I mean, been playing the game since I was five years old. So, I mean, I'm used to it now. It, it comes with the territory. I mean, it just, it just give me a chip on my shoulder, some, something to go out there and prove, guys. And when you actually do it, then they look at you kind of different. So, I, I'm, I'd be excited for it. Duke, so when you're playing cornerback, you obviously have a boundary, and then you have the field of play. I read something else where it said you have an uncanny ability to mirror the receiver's feet. Is that a trait that you'll be able to use at the slot position because there's a little bit more feel for the receiver to work with than if they're sided along a sideline? Oh, yeah, definitely. Being in a slot, uh, you have to be quick because guys uh, have the opportunity to go both ways on you. Uh, A lot of option routes and, and things like that, so... Being able to be quick and fast twitch, have a fast twitch about you definitely uh, separates you in a slot compared to the outside, have, using the sideline as your help and uh, being able to just stay inside of guys and kind of use the sideline as an extra man on the field. So, um, I mean, playing outside corner my whole career, I see the difference in that. But um, for, my, for my skill set, it's an easy transition. 
Well, for the listeners out there, very instinctive cover corner. You got 39 passes defensed in 38 career games, which is really uh, impressive. And your football character is is second to none, according to your to your college coaches. But for what has probably been the biggest transition from K State to to what you've been learning for the Chicago Bears, and really the biggest difference uh, to you so far? Ah, uh, man, the biggest difference for me has been just uh, coming in and. And seeing the speed of the game change, you know, at this level, everybody is, everybody's fast, everybody's good, uh, everybody know how to run routes and things like that. So that just stand out to you, just uh, as as far as the consistency, as far as play to play. But at the end of the day, uh, it's still football, and you still play the game how you know how to play the game. So, I mean, that doesn't change. But definitely, the speed of the game is probably the biggest difference that I see compared to college level in the NFL. Duke, what about the communication, though? When you go into a slot now, it seems like if you're on a corner and you have a wide receiver, that's the widest out of the offensive formation. You kind of don't have to communicate because you have you understand your responsibility. So now is it the outside linebacker to your side with the safety and maybe even the corner? So how will it, your communication responsibilities change? Oh, man, that's, that's a difference also as well. I mean, I'm usually when you out there, on the outside, you kind of you kind of in your own little world. They call it your own little island because you just kind of separated from everybody else. You know, you you kind of just locking down. You're you're a man to your side of the field, but in slot, you you have a lot of different people to depend on and a lot of different things like that. So you might get a linebacker help sometimes. You might uh, get cornerback help sometimes. Might be squatting on outside that come to. You always have safety behind you, so it's just different in how you can play guys and how you can align up on guys. And um, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very interesting for me because I can disguise more and play outside shade, play inside shade, and things like that. So uh, I, I actually love it. I like transition. Mm, that's a great point. Uh, how has the install gone for you with uh, the defense under Chuck Pagano to where you can maybe disguise, knowing where your your help is, so you can play fast uh, defensively. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's been a a really smooth transition for me. Um, I mean, I credit my college coaches for that. Um, being being having Coach Hayes for the first three years of my college career, he come being he came from the NFL. He um, being being it was a quarters team, we ran a lot of NFL coverages in college, so the concept kind of was the same. And I mean, defense is is kind of easier because you can only run a certain amount of coverages. You can't really do too much out of the box. It is what it is. You either cover three, cover one, cover two, or or man to man. So it's not really too much that you can really change up as far as that. So uh, coming from coming from college and having an NFL coach uh, definitely plays a role in in how how well I was able to pick up the playbook. It's not it's not hard at all for me. It was, it was very smooth. Hey Duke, I don't you know when you when you start playing as a freshman. You know, there's not a lot of time that you have special team responsibilities. So throughout the OTAs and on minicamp, where were you repping on special teams, and where does your skill set fall into play on the different teams you'll you'll be a part of this year? Oh, I'll definitely be on all the special teams, uh, and I take it serious. Yeah, definitely. In college, I didn't have to uh, run down on kickoff and run down on punt because they needed me. Uh, on the defense side, but now I'm, I'm doing both punt, kickoff, kickoff return, returning kicks, uh, holding up guys on punt return. So uh, it, it all works out. Special team transition been very good to me. 
And I know, I mean, this is how you stay around in this league, being that it's so competitive and things like that. So uh, I, I go out and play special teams like his defense. <laughs> well, from your standpoint, who have you hitched your wagon to? What what veteran do you, do you find yourself maybe gravitating to, just their style of play, um, just how they prepare, even going out to pra- practice? Is it Prince of Mukamara? Is it Buster Screen? Is it Eddie Jackson? Who have you kind of yeah. really tried to emulate uh, watching how they prepare themselves? Really all the guys. Uh, being you had two pro bowlers uh, in the back end with, with – um, Eddie Jackson and, and stuff like that. I, I look at all the guys' mannerisms, see how they how they approach the game. I know this uh, Kyle Fuller. He he more of a, a quiet, focused guy. He he get into his own zone before practice and things like that. And he kind of lock in. Eddie, on the other hand, he can be focused in the same way, but he still talking to guys and things like that. That's kind of more my personality. So uh, I watch those guys and try to go out and emulate them. Buster's been helping me. He's been doing a great job helping me uh, learn different things and do different techniques and things like that. But, I mean, I, I watch all of the guys. Prince, he have his own little way of getting ready because he, 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 it say, might take him a little longer. So, I mean, it all it all works out. Uh, but I definitely pay attention to all of the guys. Any Anybody who's in front of me and I can learn from, I try to try my best to just do that and, and stay, stay focused and try to emulate their game and apply it to mine and, it, it, it made them successful in this league, so hopefully it, it had me successful in this league. So just learn as much as I can. Hey, Duke, just to get to know you a little better, and forgive me if I say it wrong, is it Yaquise Bertrand? Yeah. And why? So why are you Duke? And because I, I, I actually I love your first name, and I think of Prince, I think of Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and mm-hmm. I, I I love your first name. But but how how did it go to Duke? So I'm a junior, and Duke means Prince. So. When uh my, when I was a little boy, my grandma just started calling me Duke. They said, and it just stuck with me ever since. My first name is Yaquis, and it, it, I'm a junior, and it means uh, strong leader. But um, my dad, I mean, he rolled with that name. But Duke is just kind of a way for me just to separate myself, like give myself my own little identity. Well, Duke, last one. What what do you do with your little bit of time off, or are you cranking it up in terms of your workouts leading up to training camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to get in the best shape as I can. Uh, definitely been working out and training every day. Have a great trainer back here at home with Ernest Ross, doing a lot of speed training and things like that. And um, try to be in the best shape I can going into training camp and feeling the best I feeling the best I have going into training camp. So that's that's all I've been doing. Just trying to get ready for camp and season. Knowing it's a long season. I mean, preseason games to the regular season to playoffs. You'll pay up, play over 20 games this year. So you just have to be ready for it. And coach, coach will call me, tell me, go on playbook and things like that. So I've been doing that. And um, just know it's a marathon right now. It's not a sprint. So just trying to be in the best shape I can for the season. Well, Duke, uh, good luck to you. We'll see you down in Bourbonnais for your first uh, NFL training camp. And we appreciate you joining us Thanks, on the Duke. show. Oh, man, thank you. Appreciate it. Duke Shelley, everybody. Six-round draft pick of the Chicago Bears out of Kansas State. We're going to come back, talk more defense, recap what Duke Shelley had to say, like the depth of the Chicago Bears secondary heading into 2019. We'll get to it on the other side. Keep it right here on Bears All Access.
Welcome back to Bears All Access. Good to talk to Duke Shelley. Bears six-round draft pick, 5'9", about 180 pounds out of Kansas State. He mentioned during the interview that he was still finally the healthiest he's been. He did miss five games in 2018 with a a lower right leg uh, injury. And, Tom, he is. He's a highly competitive uh, young man for an undersized corner. You mentioned how the coach called him sticky. Um, You know, he's just kind of a pest is what he is because he's always in the hip pocket of the the wide receiver. And as it relates to the depth of the of the Chicago Bears secondary, I like the depth at that cornerback spot for Chicago heading into 2019. You go out and sign Buster Screen is what the Bears did. He comes over from the Jets. He has not missed a lot of games, whether in Cleveland or with the New York Jets. He's always been available uh, to play some football. We know Sherrick McManus has had the ability to fill in at the nickel cornerback spot. Now Duke Shelley kind of being groomed for that spot as well. So a lot of depth, you know, that normally is somewhat your base defense a lot of times because so much 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers on the field so much for the listeners out there that nickel kind of becomes your base defense going into the season. You know, Jim, the nagging injuries is what really followed Bryce Callahan around, and that was always difficult because some of the biggest games he had a lower body injury to show up. With Duke Shelley, it was a toe injury that's recoverable where to the point where it may never show up again. And you think about whatever size he is, 180 pounds, he started playing as a freshman and played all the way through senior. He didn't have any physical injuries because of the sport of football. It was more of the toe injury that, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how he got it, but I'm talking about physical injuries in terms of shoulder stingers, you know, the types of injuries that you face when you're, you're making a big tackle. So I do think health consistency at that position is something they really wanted to have and was maybe one of the deciding factors with Bryce Callahan going forward. Now he's going to have more of an opportunity, but if that haunts him and follows him to the next team, it's always going to be, you know, that question mark, are you going to be ready for the biggest of games we need you for? And talk about raising the bar when you get Eddie Jackson saying he wanted to top everything uh, the 85 Bears did. And, Tom, you know, I, I threw out, obviously, the, the steel curtain in the era of the 70s and how great their defenses were. Baltimore Ravens, probably the most, I think, comparable to what the Bears uh, did in 85. But the, the statistics are ridiculous. 64 sacks on the season by the 85 Bears. 34 interceptions. Only gave up six rushing touchdowns. 74 rushing first downs. Only 13, little over 1,300 yards rushing. 141 passing first downs. And only 28, little over 2,800 yards uh, passing. Those are tough statistics to top, and I commend Eddie Jackson that they feel that they're going to try and make a, a run at it. But man, it's far different in how the game's played now with three wide receivers, that eleven personnel, over twenty-two thousand snaps uh, of eleven personnel of what teams ran. That is more than double of all other personnel groupings combined in just where the game's changed. Maybe just talk about Eddie Jackson's comments and how difficult that is, and how realistic it is to top some of those great defensive statistics of <laughs> the know, hey, Bears. I love Eddie Jackson. I love the confidence that he's coming into the second season, the second season with Matt Nagy. With obviously, he's got some good teachings from his college career. He's in a professional type program down there in Alabama. <clears throat> but when I look at the modern day offenses, when I look at these eighty-five stats. I think it's really difficult to surpass the 64 sacks because even if they go to the line of scrimmage and they have a pass play called, sometimes they get out of it because they know they're overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage and they're just going to try to run a play into a safety zone. 
Whereas sometimes in old school, and there's a question I wanted to ask Otis is about, did you get the feel of teams audibling at the line of scrimmage? And that was at a pro or a con for them? Because now when you break the huddle, you break the huddle with two plays called, and then they call what they feel is best against the front they're seeing. You know, I think the next year after the 64 sacks, the Bears went on to have maybe 72. So it was, the, you know, that number, the Bears, because of the aggressiveness of their rush, the style of defense they're playing, and the limitations of the offense to get them out of some plays that were detrimental to this type of quarterback they had that were taking the center quarterback exchange. So um, I, I think there's a lot of difference of the quarterback play. There's a lot of difference in the tempo at the line of scrimmage. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm glad Eddie Jackson is confidently saying that he would like to be part of a team that has the ability to surpass what those guys did statistically. Well, let's go out to the guest line and get uh, some of the comments from Otis Wilson, two-time All-Pro as a Chicago Bear, a linebacker, because Eddie Jackson, man, those are some big numbers to achieve when you look at that 85 Bears defense. So let's welcome in Otis Wilson to the program. Otis, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, thanks for taking a few moments of your day, Otis. Um, welcome, guys. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Big O, you know, we're, again, I, I'm, I'm, a conf- I'm happy that Eddie Jackson is talking about defensive play with confidence because I think that's an important thing for any team to have that confidence, and I think it gives the offense confidence. But when you look at some of the numbers that you guys put up, you know, start specifically with 64 sacks and 34 interceptions. When you watch football today, is the 85 defense capable of, of achieving those types of numbers um, with with a different style at the line of scrimmage? Well, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, the game of football is totally different from when we played, and, you know, the aggressiveness in football is totally different from when we played and, you know, the style. I mean, and that's basically when you're talking about a spread offense, you know, and throwing the football a lot and, just really basically doing things a lot differently, you know, it would be kind of hard to do because, number one, I would have to say it, you can't be aggressive. You know, you get fined. Um, secondly, you know, you had more running plays. Um, then now you got more passing plays. So it would be a totally different game. So I don't think we, we, they could, we could have done what we're doing today. We can do then what we can do today. Yeah, and you, you look at it, all the wide receiver screens, they get the ball out of the quarterback's hand so quickly nowadays, and a lot of it is just run after the catch. There, A lot of offenses are, are geared towards just getting the run after the catch, and it's kind of a fast pass happy league is what we've seen. At and and you're protecting these guys so much, you know, you can't, you know, really, you know, you know, you can't touch a, lot, a wide receiver after four yards or five yards. You know, I think the offense has truly has an advantage right now. Big O, so when you were at the line of scrimmage, were you aware of when a team was audibling against you? And was that a good thing for them, a bad thing for them, or was it a good thing for you or a bad thing? But because, you know, nowadays the audible is built into the terminology coming out of the huddle. Back in our days, there was kind of an alert word or an alert phrase that changed the play at the line of scrimmage with terminology. What did, how did, what did you feel at the line of scrimmage other teams were trying to do at those difficult times? 
Well, I don't know if you remember, Tom. Um, we would call AFC automatic front and cover. You know, and then we have the the coverage to go along with it, depending on the set that the offense came out of. So we really never had a set defense that, you know, we would play. And, you know, Singletary was so well-versed in in, in film-watching and what other teams did. A lot of times, whether they audibled or whether they just ran the play, a lot of times (laughs) he would call out the play. We would get mad at him because – we knew what they were going to run. We wanted them to run it. You know, don't don't call no order, Mike. Let, just be quiet and let them go ahead and run right into what we're doing. So to make a long story bearable, we were doing what offense is doing today. We would call two or three different defenses, and depending on what that set was and depending on what they did, that's what we went into. Hmm. Well, in terms of – and Tom and I just brought it up because there's so much 11 personnel being run in the NFL. Over 22,000 plays last year out of 11 personnel. Three wide receiver sets by offenses. And for the listeners out there, you're normally defensively substituting out a linebacker and substituting in a nickel. So essentially you're in 42 uh, nickel. I mean, how can you even take us back or remember potentially how much 11 personnel you maybe saw back in 85? Well, you know what, we we really, you know, we had the luxury of not interchanging our linebackers much, number one, you know, because I would usually run with a tight end. Wilbur was faster than I was. He can sometimes run with a wide receiver because, mind you, we didn't have to run but 10, 10 to 15 yards because the ball was already gone. We didn't yeah. allow people to hold that football that long to wait to, for a play to mature, you know, so we didn't change there. I think the one mistake that we did make, if I can say anything, is in the Miami game when Buddy kept Wilbur on the wide receiver. And I think Duper and Clayton, those, those two guys, were probably a little faster than he was. And then Marino with that three-step drop, I mean, you know, he would pop it in there. So, you know, because – Dicker and Buddy was going back and forth about putting a DB in there. So I think that was probably the only situation because obviously, you know, three receivers now, you know, linebacker wouldn't be in there. I mean, because there ain't no, help, no way I'm running with a 4-4, a 4-3, a 4-2 guy. I mean, that's just not humanly possible. Hey, Big O, when you think about Dan Marino and his skill set and you think about Tom Brady and his skill set of today – I think they would probably tie if they ran a 40 against each other. And it was difficult to get to Marino because that style of defense. Do you see any similarities in the style of offense that Brady plays when you think about the way Marino played back in the day? You're right in saying as far as run-wise, both of them, neither one of them, you you have to, um, you know, clock them with a calendar in the 40. But for the most part, with the receivers that Brady has and the receivers that uh, Marino then had, I mean, those those guys are a mirror of each other. I mean, they, they're heady. They, you know, they had talent on, on, on the offensive side, and, you know, they both get that ball out when they need it. 
Well, what's interesting, too, is you guys back in 85 only allowed six rushing touchdowns. And probably the, the biggest team that runs the most 11 personnel would be the Rams. 89% of their plays were in 11 personnel, but yet they ran the ball over five yards a carry. Uh, last year for the Rams. Do you think, because it just seems like the fullback has gone away of the dodo bird, that now that is more of a running set than ever before as well? And how would you defend that, Otis? Well, that that, that is the key. You know, you with the fullback is kind of obsolete now. I mean, it turns into a tight end, you know, or, uh, you know, or a wide, big wide receiver. So, But basically, I mean, we would defend it real simple. You know, we would go into the 46. And we'll make them keep players in. Because, I mean, that's what really the 46 was designed to do. I mean, to keep a tight end in there or keep a back in there, or you're going to lose your quarterback. So we want to minimize the amount of people you sent out on pass. So that'd be real simple. You know, call AFC and jump right in that 46 and, you know, make them either, either block somebody or, you know, wheel their guy out of there. You know, Jim and Otis, and what's interesting about that is you think about the personnel groupings that the Rams use today. And then, Otis, you go back to the Rams playoff game. In the week before they played you guys, um, Dickerson had 200 yards rushing or something. And that was going to be the thing, is they were going to come and they were going to run at the Chicago Bears. And the big famous third and one or fourth and one stop that Singletary had against Dickerson, but their inability to run the ball. Yeah, that's the one thing I think that would translate the most from the time in 85 even to this era with the, the running style that these teams would try to have, and they would try to block with an undersized H-back or a player that doesn't have the skills of the, the old-school fullbacks. And, and that's the key because if you remember, Tom, you know, a lot of teams, when you, they send Lawrence Taylor – on that weak side, most of the time he was he was going against a back that was wasn't more than two hundred pounds. I mean, he outweighed him by fifty pounds. So what what did everybody expect him to do? Or he got past that that tackle that wasn't really agile enough. And you know, that's what you do. You know, that's what we did. We made people change their personnel. And going back to the Rams, yes, you know, Eric, they they kept two tight ends. In and you know was trying to trying to deal with us that way. Well, Otis, how's the golf game? How's your summer game going along? You got the tee time set for tomorrow. You know <laughs> what? I, I actually played uh, the other day uh, at Lost Marsh with a group for the um, the first tee to help raise some money for for the young folks, and I played very well. I mean, I actually hit the ball pretty decent, you know. So i'm looking forward to a good year because really we only have been having some nice weather in the last two weeks yeah. <laughs> i've been waiting for the rain to, to, to leave us alone so I'm, I'm i'll be out there from this point on and this year i finally enjoyed my game I, I, I broke down and spent some money on my game and i'm really i'm really liking what i see well otis can't thank you enough for your time Thanks enjoy you the rest of your summer and get those rounds in my friend well, thank you much, and, you know, I think Tom was mentioning something about, you know, I, I like to see these guys, you know, to want to compare themselves with us and because that's a benchmark for everybody. I mean, I always got those calls around Super Bowl because, you know, they, everybody look at the numbers and see what we do. I mean, if they can come up to half of what we did, they, that defense will be great. 
Otis Wilson, everybody. We'll be back with more Bears All Access right after this. Keep it right here. Hey, everyone. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lauren Screeden cover the world of the Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Our thanks to Otis Wilson, former Chicago Bears linebacker. Those 85 statistics were staggering. 64 sacks on the season. Last year, two teams, they were only able to achieve 52 sacks, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bears and Vikings tied with 50 sacks uh, on the season. Bears got a ton of turnovers as well last year, but 34 interceptions for the season for that 80-85 group. And when you look at it, Tom, I mean, some of those numbers uh, do seem with today's game and how it's played that they would be very difficult to reach. But again, you commend Eddie, Eddie Jackson. You got to have goals. And I think they're talented enough to go out and try and reach those goals uh, for this 2019 Bears group. You know, Jim, because of the percentage of the time that offenses are throwing the ball, is it interceptions is the one that could realistically get beat by a defense that is has a defensive backfield of their four, five, and six DBs at times that are just their cover skills in the matchup of the pressure of the front seven. Is that the one number that can be uh, not uh, that can be most tracked down? Maybe it'll, it'll never get to that. Maybe it will. But you know, because when I look at that thirty-four interceptions, a lot of it has to do with the type of athletes that were playing quarterback then when you're looking at Steve Grogan and Tony Eason and some of the quarterbacks that couldn't run away from any of the defensive players at that time. Nowadays, when you look at Deshaun Watson, you look at Dak Prescott, and you look at just the creativity of um, uh, the New Orleans quarterback. I'm just Drew skip- Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees. You know, just their skill sets. You know, is the sack one is going to be difficult. The timing of the offenses is difficult. But if you get uh, quarterbacks that are either injured and they're working into the depth of their quarterback, but and that really didn't affect you know San Francisco last year with the three quarterbacks they ran throughout the season. You know, they didn't. You know, I don't. I don't know if they threw thirty-four combined interceptions. So that's the one thing. Is that the one that's the most reachable of all the stats that we are talking about of that era? Hey, 27 interceptions last year as a group, but you're right. I mean, they will be facing some tough quarterbacks right away. You're going to say Aaron Rodgers out the gate September 5th when the Bears line up to play the the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night. They will face Drew Brees October 20th. That'll be a 425 uh, p.m. Eastern time game. So they've got some quality quarterbacks that they'll be facing uh, this year. And it's difficult to do, but we'll have to see how the Bears stack. And I think the key to it, Tom, is because so many teams are running so much 11 personnel. Like I said, 22,000 plays. That's more than double of all other personnel groupings, whether it's two tight ends, uh, 21, which is a, a two running backs, fullback, and, and two wide receivers. Um, it's more than double of all other personnel groupings combined. So I, I do think it's difficult, but I think the key is is a lot of these teams are running the football out of 11 personnel on first and second down. I bring up the Rams. Uh, you got to believe uh, 
Matt LaFleur, who's now the head coach of, uh, of the Green Bay Packers, he has that same scheme that he plans on utilizing. So how much will Green Bay run the football on first and second down out of 11 personnel? Because I think the old adage holds true. If you can hold them to create third and longs, now you're cooking with gas where you have an opportunity. So if you can stop the run out of 11 personnel on first and second down, where a lot of teams have taken advantage, now you've got an opportunity to maybe eclipse those sack totals and potentially those interception totals, which are close, but they're still, that is a long way to go from 50 to 64 sacks and from 27 to 34 interceptions of the 85 Bears. You, you know what's weird, too, about today's NFL? I think there's a lot more consistency in coaching staffs back in the day when, again, I keep just recur- referring to the 80s because you had Chuck Knoll, you had Don Shula, you had Tom Landry, you had these guys that were with their organization for sometimes 10 and 20 years. Now you got Bill Belichick. He's the guy that's been in New England the longest. And now with all these coaching changes, and then you get the analytics involved, and then you get the scouting involved – you know, it's almost there's a certain there's a little bit of uncertainty within the first four weeks of a season because you don't know how Lafleur is going to run his offense. You don't even know how that uh, Chuck Pagano is going to run his defense. You don't know how Vic Fangio is going to run both his offense and defense out in Denver. So, with all these coaching changes that take place so frequently now in the NFL. That's why analytics play a role, I think, in deciding what types of personnel you're going to play early. And then if all of a sudden in week four you notice there's a real deficiency in a nickelback on a team or you look at a real deficiency in the ability for a front seven to get to the quarterback, then you start seeing game plans organized towards the deficiencies of your opponents. Yeah, and I think when we come back, Tom, I want to focus on the division. I want to talk Detroit Lions, how they're the subtle changes that the Detroit Lions are going to be different this year. Green Bay, we certainly, though, that's a whole new coach up there. But I think with the acquisition of Gary Kubiak up there in Minnesota, that is going to be a great help uh, to Kevin Stefanski, their offensive coordinator, and they got better on their offensive line. So when we come back on Bears All Access, let's talk in division, the NFC North, the black and blue division. Hey, who was going to run the football? Because it sounds like the Lions, they'll be first up. That's what they're gearing to do. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Bears All Access. Hey, we started the show talking about the Bears. They went from worst to first in 2018. They are not going to surprise anybody. Obviously, Matt Nagy talking about that complacency would be the worst trait the Bears could have. So they've got to be ready. And what to anticipate in the NFC North? Because you win your division. Hey, you're going to have the opportunity to, to make the playoffs. And you look at the Detroit Lions, they have made a lot of changes here this offseason. Brought in a new offense coordinator, Daryl Bevel. Uh, everybody knows him from his days in Seattle. And they wanted to pound the football. They suddenly have already changed, much like uh, the Bears did with James Daniels. Uh, they took Graham Glasgow, uh, who was their center, kicked him out to guard. And now Frank Ragnow, who was a first-round draft pick uh, last year out of Arkansas, he will now be moved into center. They go out and they sign C.J. Anderson and hope to have a healthy carry-on Johnson. Then they drafted two tight ends as well. When you look at T.J. Hawkinson out of of Iowa, and they came back in the seventh round and drafted Isaac Nada, who's more of a movement uh, tight end, could be a fullback, H-back, that type of of scenario uh, for them. So their focus seems to be more on running the football. Defensively, Tom? This team did not play that bad defensively. And I know it was the first year of Matt Patricia, and they ended up 6-10 and on the season. But the Detroit Lions... 
they were a top 10 defense a season ago. They were playing extremely well down the stretch def- defensively, but I think they're a team that plans on shifting and running the football much more would be the anticipation from the Detroit Lions. What are your thoughts on Detroit? You know, I think Detroit, they had a lot of defensive back injuries, and I do think Matt Patricia is a good defensive coach, and I think their defense will get better. The one area that scares me about the Detroit Lions and where their deficiency, I think, will lie, two young offensive linemen playing next to each other with a first-time center and a slow-footed quarterback. And Matthew Stafford, he's a good athlete. He's, got a, he's super intelligent. He's got a powerful, accurate arm. But if you give up any type of crease impact in that interior of the defense, and now you're making him be an athlete to his right or his left, that's what you're taking away from him. And so I'm really interested to see how these two guys – fit and form into their new interior offensive line positions. And he does run out of the shotgun a lot, and they run a lot of their running game from that that standard formation out of the shotgun. But again, I do think if you put Matthew Stafford in a position in retreat, of retreat, of trying to escape, that's when you take advantage of one of his you know, deficiencies or weaknesses or however you want to say it because um, time is catching up with him. He's not a guy that is a – he's always a guy that is a not, – not a heavy, but he's a thicker quarterback, and his arm strength has always been his main asset. Well, much like the Detroit Lions, Green Bay kind of went in that direction as well. Defense will remain uh, the same under Mike Penton and what they'll be running uh, defensively. Offensively, it's going to be totally different. Nathaniel Hackett brought is brought in as the offensive coordinator, so the terminology doesn't change. It's a West Coast offense, but Matt Lafleur, he's a disciple of Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams, so I expect a lot of three wide personnel. But will they? run the football because that seemed to be the bone of contention last year in the news is that Aaron Rodgers was audibly too many plays. So you'd like to think that Matt LaFleur is going to try and get a handle on this uh, somewhat for the Green Bay Packers. And and again, I I think there's another, you know, the offensive line is going to be responsible for the success of them being able to run the ball because as quickly as you take the ball out of the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers hands and hand it to a running back, then you're trying to, you're, you are putting the pressure on the upfront guys the biggest threat that Green Bay can pose to any defense is keeping the ball in his hands as long as he possibly can find a target. But I don't think that's the way this system is run. I think this system is run in a timing um, of you, you call a play in the huddle, you go to the line of scrimmage with two plays, and then you have to stick with the decision of what you've called in the huddle. There's not going to be freedom for Aaron Rodgers. And when you take the freedom out of his hands and now you put it in the feet, in the blocking ability of the offensive line. I think this offensive line has some deficiency, although they're, you know, I, I do hear compliments about it. I think as a group, they've had injuries. They have issues at the offensive tackle position, staying healthy. And, man, if you don't um, keep Aaron Rodgers as the biggest threat behind center – then you put a little bit more of a challenge to the offensive line. And finally, you look at the Minnesota Vikings again. The change is on offense, so the Bears are going to have to keep up with how these teams, their five-game breakdown is early in the year because Minnesota, with Kevin Stefanski, he's somewhat of a new play caller, but you know how they call plays offensively certainly going to affect uh, the Chicago Bears and what they need to be ready for going into 2019. Well, hey, everybody, we thank you for joining us tonight on Bears All Access. We'll do it again next week. Training camp just around the corner. Tom, as always, uh, thanks for joining me this hour, and we'll be back next week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Bears All Access.
Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Athletico Physical Therapy, and Ford. 